How's everybody doing? Looking around. I was, Labor Day weekend, I was remembering as a younger pastor, this was the weekend I got to speak. <laughs> and now that I'm in charge, I still get to speak. So there you go. When I was in college, I had this professor who I thought was a little crazy. Maybe he was a little crazy. He was my uh, Spanish professor. So um, for some reason, the class started at 7 a.m. in the morning, which was a little crazy for me, but whatever. That's what he decided it was. So I remember the first semester of Spanish, this guy, and this is probably an actual tool that lots of people use. He only spoke in Spanish. And I'm like, wait, this is Spanish 1. Right? And so at first I was, thought I was in the wrong class. He only spoke in Spanish. And I'm like, how am I supposed to learn Spanish if you only speak in Spanish? I didn't really get the point. And this guy, he was like, every day would do like one-man skits and like dramas and only speaking in Spanish. And he'd write stuff on the board. If I started to doze off, his style was to walk closer to me and speak louder in Spanish. And he, I just thought this guy was crazy. What am I learning? And I realized that one of the ways you got points was participation points. So when I actually knew the answer, I'd raise my hand and he's like, oh, dale. And so that was whatever, Spanish for Dale. And it really just means hit it. It's like, so he thought that was really funny as well. Like, oh, I get to hit you. It's a song they sing when they actually hit a pinata. Dale, dale, dale. And he's like, okay, there's your song for the day, apparently. So... I thought, what am I learning in this class? Each, each class by itself was just kind of whatever. Now, some part into that, I started volunteering at a ministry in South Central LA, where in this neighborhood that predominantly spoke only Spanish. And I started to realize, wait, I'm starting to understand some of the conversations. I'm starting to understand some of the words that I'm hearing. And I realized, as a cocky 18-year-old freshman in college, maybe my professor wasn't so foolish. Maybe he actually knew what he was doing. And I realized this guy's actually brilliant. By immersing myself into something where he didn't let me in out by explaining in English, I engaged. And I started to understand these words out in the community. And then they would teach me phrases in South Central LA and I would bring them back to him. And his response was, who are you speaking with, Dale? <laughs> you know, that can happen a lot where there's unique moments or like these moments of class, like what is this really doing for me? But then we start to see a bigger picture. We start to see the greater understanding. And today's story is unique by itself as we're plugging away through the book of Mark. But when it's attached to a larger story, the larger story, and the vision of Jesus is actually incredibly transformational. Let me read it to you. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one can bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. 
And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him and he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. There was a large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us amongst the pigs, allow us to go into them. So he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And then they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went and began to tell the people in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Father, this is your word, this is your truth, this is a story that is bizarre and weird and fascinating and transformational. Give us ears to hear this morning, God. In your name, amen. We're just gonna dive right in. This is the second time in the Gospel of Mark, in the book of Mark, that Jesus has encountered a man who was filled with demons, whether it's one, or a thousand. The first time that Jesus encountered a man with demons was actually in the synagogue, was in the place of worship. It was back in Mark chapter one. Let me remind you what happened. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us? The same question. Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet. Jesus said sternly, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and, became, and came out of him with a shriek. In this first scenario, we see a demon-possessed man finding comfort in some strange way in a synagogue. The demon-possessed man, at least the demon inside the man, felt no pressure, felt no opposition, even though he was amongst religious people. That in itself is a bit startling because sometimes the enemy finds ground in places we may not expect, places within a church or religious community at times. Jesus says it needs to be dealt with, so Jesus deals with it. This is a second one that we see. Jesus tells his disciples, let's go to the other side. 
the other side of the lake, the other side of the Sea of Galilee, to another region, a region that these people would not have gone. The disciples stayed away from this region. Because there is a world of opportunity, Jesus implied, on the other side of the sea. And there's a demonic guard that I need to take care of for that opportunity to happen. You see, Mark clearly intends that these stories be affiliated. In, some, in both cases, when Jesus enters a new territory, either symbolic or literal, Jesus counters immediate resistance in the form of a demon-possessed man. He went into the church to take ground. He meets the demon. He goes to the other side of the lake. He meets the demon. Jesus, in new territories and new spaces, takes this on first. With this in mind, let's dive into today's story. Mark has just finished recording a series of parables by Jesus, right? These stories that have a heavenly meaning and, but earthly terms. Some of them were so confusing to people that they're like, you need to explain this after the fact. But there was one that was incredibly simplistic, and we referenced this a few times. It says this, and he was saying to them, a lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, is it? Or under a bed? It's not brought to be put on, a, but, but it is, is it not brought to be put on a lampstand? Here's the point. The point is not how bright your light is, but the location of your light. No one is impressed with how bright a lamp is if it's under a shade. So put it in a place where it really matters. So when Jesus says, let's go to the other side, let's go bring the light to a place where it is needed. As we know, light reveals path in the darkness. As we know, light shows which way is actually possible. And as Dave taught last week, that this pathway of even getting there before the demon was crossing the lake and this amazing storm came up, like a hurricane kind of storm, the kind that would scare you to death. And Jesus, even in that moment, and he's just getting going, says, peace, be still. And that's what they got. The only one not nervous in the midst of the storm was Jesus. It even says he was asleep on a boat. There's something about what happens in our own lives. We're like, Jesus, don't, even care. don't you even care? And he's like, I'm not nervous. It reminds me that if Jesus isn't nervous, why am I? Now we're told that they've arrived on the other side. Maybe it's early in the morning, maybe it's still a little dark and they're pulling up to a place they didn't wanna go. I mean, picture this. Maybe there's tombs. Maybe there's caves. They're pulling up to this land. Maybe they hear screams in the darkness. Maybe this man who was legion, who had been cast to these places of death, was the first voice they heard as they pull up to the other side of the lake. Then Mark makes a very clear distinction, I think. He says this. When Jesus got out, of the boat. You're like, so what? The only person that Mark mentions that gets out of the boat is Jesus. 
He always is talking about Jesus and the disciples went this place. Jesus and the disciples did this. These disciples went with him. We don't know this for sure because when the Bible doesn't say something, I don't want to put a bunch on it. But Mark very clearly says when Jesus got out of the boat. So it's quite possible he's the only one that gets out of the boat. Jesus goes before. Who knows why? Maybe the disciples were now sleeping and he was the one awake. Probably not true. Maybe they were still in shock of what Jesus had done with the storm. Maybe they're like, well, who is this guy? Maybe not true. Or maybe probably and most likely this was a place they wouldn't ever go. They wouldn't be pulled here. There was a demon-possessed man who guarded this place. Behind them was a herd of pigs, which they saw as the unclean animal. It's unkosher. Why would we ever journey here in the midst of this? This was Gentile land, they thought. Jesus, you're the Messiah for the Jews. Why are we going to these people, those people that we disagreed? And these are the kinds of moments in our lives that, let's be honest, we'd rather just kind of push away. We'd rather go, this one's too hard. This wall is too big. I really engage with this kind of mindset. Those other people feel unsafe, actually. And that word unsafe, while it's a good word, man, we have expanded and broadened that to mean any place where I feel uncomfortable because it's challenging. Of course, there are actual unsafe place for our kids and there's unsafe place and there's unsafe people. I get that. But we have broadened the definition of safety to also mean like, oh, this feels challenging, so it's not safe. It's really weird that the Messiah, the King of the universe is walking with us and we're like, oh, this one feels unsafe, Jesus. What do you think? Wouldn't it be shocking if he's like, yeah, you're right. This one's a little too big for me as well. You see, Jesus continues to bring them to places they didn't want to go and he does this all of the time. And that's kind of the thing we think about, right? Like if you pray not to go somewhere, that's what Jesus is going to send you. So I used to pray a lot about places I didn't want to go. It's not really how it works. He's like, oh, he, Dale tricked me. <laughs> it's not a trick. I mean, when I was young, I'm like, I don't want to go to Africa. God, please send me to Africa. I had this thing in my head. If I asked him to go there, then he would say no. Well, I think I did that. And then I've been to Africa like eight times. But I'm like, I love Africa. Lisa, you want to move to Africa? And then Lisa's like, no, we're not moving to Africa. You know, church should be that way too sometimes, that it pulls us to places we don't want to go. That's not how churches are really gathered today. It's kind of like we all think the same thing and we all fit in a certain comfortable bubble, but there is certainly something about the body of, uh, of Christ and, and Scripture and what God's doing that should pull us to places that we won't want to go. But when we do, something amazing happens. As Dave reminded us last week, Jesus isn't safe. But as Jeff and Miranda reminded us, he's always good. The goal of life isn't safety. The goal of life is to be with the one that is good. You see, these things, the evil, the tradition, the others that they were talking about were blocks, their walls, their caution tape, whatever it might be from moving forward. They never even dreamed that going to the other side 
was possible. If we jump to today, 2022, we can all probably describe the walls in our own lives, can't we? We see something and I'm like, ah, that's stopping me from moving forward. We think things like, what if it doesn't work out? We're reminded of maybe in our past when things didn't work out and it hurts and I get that. So we think it's not gonna work out again, so why even try? Some walls in our lives are created when it seems unfamiliar, unsafe, and unknown. And then we get really spiritual and we say, God has closed the door on that one. If God is about closing doors, and I understand sometimes that may happen, but if there's, a, if there's just closed doors in your way, then this story is irrelevant. Because if there's not a story where like everything that seems to be a closed door for a group of people, if this story doesn't show that Jesus shatters those, I'm not sure what will. Are there things, my friends, even now in the middle of the sermon, you're like, wait, this is usually the end of sermon question, but I'm just gonna ask you now in case I lose half of you. Are there things blocking you right now from moving forward? What are they? Are there things that you're simply avoiding? Who are they? I know no better way than to look face to face with those I disagree with to see if I can find common ground, to see if I can find reconciliation. But there are two things more that I want you to see in this story, so stick with me. In verse 15, it says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Afraid of what? Afraid of the power of breaking out of bondage. Let me read this to you. You see, Mark is telling us a story about walls. Walls that need to come down, but this is also about a person. This person, the man we call Legion, is someone's son. It's someone's friend. It's someone's relative. At some point in his life, he started to become a disturbance to his family and his community. And when things became too difficult with him, they only had one solution, let's lock him up. But in this man's case, it didn't work. Chains couldn't hold him back. Nothing and no one was strong enough to tame or restrain him until Jesus got out of the boat. Sometimes we have walls, they're people, and they have hurt us. But we don't know what to do, so we throw our arms up in the air. Or they disagree with us. They think a different thing than us. And Jesus is like, let them just be about me. Let me do the work. I wonder what that conversation with Jesus was like. The people who owned the pigs took off to tell everybody, hey, this guy did something to our pigs. Apparently, the disciples might still be in the boat. 
Let's just picture this for a moment. Here is a guy who has been a tormentor of people and has been tormented by evil and also probably tormented by people who pushed him away. Him and Jesus are now sitting on a rock, eye to eye. Maybe Jesus calls back to the boat and like, hey, can some of you guys bring some clothes for this guy? Let's show him some dignity. It doesn't matter what he's done. It doesn't matter who he just was. Let's show him some dignity and kindness. Let's put some clothes on him. Let's clean him up a little bit. And maybe this eye-to-eye conversation with Jesus was like, hey, the tormenting is over. The evidence of that is, did you see what happened to those pigs? That which was in you was in them now, and it's gone. You don't need to worry about that anymore. Maybe the part of the conversation was back to those places of hurt, separation, loss of control when he was a younger man. And Jesus had a chance to look at him. It's going to be different now. You're going to have purpose. You're going to transform one of the most powerful places on earth. Not because you're so smart, but because what mercy has done to you. Maybe this conversation reminded him that those powers those voices, those lies inside of you, those things didn't care about you. But I care about you. It's different now. I don't know what that conversation was like, but I'd love to think about Jesus looking at me eye to eye and just telling me, Dale, the things of your past are gone. The man who hurt you as a child, he's gone. What I've given you is new. Receive it. Accept it. The things you think you can't do, that's not true. What are the things you think you can't do? What are the things that you've just said? This life is just too hard. The things I can't control. And God's like, let's go. I've knocked down the walls. And then there's just this one thing in verse 16. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs can't get let go of their pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. This is fascinating. They're like, you just did this amazing thing. Get away from us. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged that he might be with them. You see, the fear that people had of this man was now transferred to the fear, they placed the same fear on Jesus. Because there's a lot of times we just don't let go of fear, we just transfer it to the next thing. Because in some weird way, fear and anxiety makes us feel like we're in control. Like if I let go of this, then what am I gonna worry about? How about nothing? How about receiving the shalom of Jesus? It's okay to have a good day. It's okay that when tough things come your way, you just go, God, you got this one, and you let him. You see, the crowd begged Jesus to leave. They seemed to be like, our current state of affairs are now ruined. Our plans, my company, my company of these pigs, you have ruined my industry. You have changed things, Jesus. I don't want to be changed. So they're like, you have to get out of here. 
we had a good thing going until that guy showed up. Whatever it is that was in their heads. And this is one of the conversations I have with so many people. Like if I follow Jesus, that means I have to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It just means you're following Jesus. It's a wall. And then the changed man begged to go with him. Let me in the boat. This one is super weird, right? Like, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. Let me, I want to be in the boat. Look how amazing this could be. I could set up and share my testimony in front of these crowds, and then you come in and like, wham, this is, we're going to go on the road. I mean, this is the kind of guy that most speakers are like, you're coming with me, share the story, and then let's go. But Jesus is like, nope. I have a mission for you. This must have been incredibly emotional. Tears probably were going down this guy's face because of his deep appreciation for Jesus. He just had an eye-to-eye conversation and now you're sending me out? It's amazing when Jesus was in certain parts of this place, and mostly back in where Jewish people lived, he kept saying, don't tell anybody. To this guy, he goes, go tell everybody. Because there was a different expectation. Jesus says yes to the crowd So he leaves, but he says no to the man who was changed. Verse 19, and he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim to Decapolis how much Jesus has done for him and everyone marveled. You see, even for this man who had been chained and thrown in tombs, the walls were now removed. Go home. There must have been a wall at home. Come on. How freaked out what his mom would have been. Hi. He went to his friends. That was probably pretty intense. He went to tell him what the Lord had done. He had been the essence of evil. And then he showed them results of a changed life. You see, the path that this man took to go back home was cleared because of the acts of Jesus. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus breaks bonds. Jesus breaks down walls. He's like, it is now possible. I'm showing you a path. This is the beginning of the new. And we can look at this story. It's an amazing story in itself. And in a few chapters later, we're going to see some of these people potentially who he had been spoken to show up to another mass gathering with Jesus. This story changes the future, it changes culture. It propelled the gospel into regions that were way apart from where Jesus was. But I don't want us just to be stuck on this story, I wanna pull us back a little bit. See, at the very end of Matthew, which is another one of the gospels, Jesus gives this vision, this mission, this like, here's the big picture of what I want from now on end of his life he says this as Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me so therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age I wonder how that sound. This was at the end of Jesus' life, so they'd seen a lot while it's broken down. But let's go back to our story. 
The very first wall was even when Jesus says to them, hey, let's go to the other side. Some people would have been like, that's crazy. The next potential wall was the storm. They face a storm, they're scared to death. The next potential wall was evil. Then it went into traditions, and then it went into those people, and then it went into culture before we ever get to the end of the world. You see all the things that are stopping us. We're like, man, Jesus, I'm going to the end of the world for you, whatever it takes. But wait, these walls are in front of me. At least I have put them up. I see them as passages that I cannot do. You see, this is the path that Jesus cleared. Jesus says, go. Love. There are so many things that would even stop us from even going and seeing that first person who was so crazy, so evil. And yet with Jesus, he sits on a rock and looks at him eye to eye. Do you see the possibility? The people you've given up on, the ones who've hurt you so bad, I'm not telling you that they're safe people. I'm just telling you that God isn't done with them yet. There have been people in my life who have hurt me so bad. But my very faith, my very following of Jesus is based on reconciliation. It is based on forgiveness. It is based on while I was still sinning, he died for me. That's what it's based on. And if I'm like, Jesus, you don't really get how hard this is. This person was unkind. Do you know how hard this is when someone's unkind to you, Jesus? And then I'm like, what am I even saying right now? I mean, what, come on, honestly. Jesus clears the path because he doesn't want to settle for chaos. Don't have to raise your, don't, please don't raise your hand, but how many feel like our, your life is just kind of chaotic? Like it's just bouncing from one thing to the next and you're like, I just wish I had a week, a day. Jesus is like, I want that for you too. I want you to have a day. So how can we break down some of those things? If you came and, and um, sat with me somewhere in my office, a cup of coffee, next to me on my e-bike, which I feel so manly as I'm, uh, I live up on a hill. And as I'm passing real bicyclists on my e-bike, I'm like, what's up, bro? <laughs> They're like, be a real man. I'm like, mm, I'm being a man. But if you were to sit with me, one of the things I do, I just like to look at people in the eye. So for a few moments, even though we're in a larger room, can we just look eye to eye for a moment? And I'm just going to ask you some things. What's blocking you? I mean, let's be honest, it's not, is something blocking you? The question is, what is blocking you? Because that's what the enemy does. He just keeps throwing up the next thing. Does even the phrase, let's go to the other side. You're like, man, I don't even want to go. Because what's the other side? It, the other side is a place you just don't want to go. Like, you don't want to deal with it. Maybe it's those people. Like, I'm just fine, God, just bring things to me. And he's like, nope. Is that a wall? Are you afraid of stepping into something new? Maybe you're in the middle of the storm and you're like, 
that's your wall because it's terrifying. You're like, this can't be of God because it's a storm. And we forget when we're in the middle of storms, don't we, that sometimes storms clarify things for you. I certainly know storms have strengthened me. Storms have gotten rid of the things that are hanging on to me. When I come out the other side, I'm like, people go, you're a little different now. And I'm like, yeah. Maybe you're in a storm right now. Remember that Jesus is like, be quiet. Be still. Is that the wall? Do you want to talk about the storm? Maybe it's just evil. Maybe the wall you've hit is just you believing Satan's lies. He's been lying to you, and he tells you all the things that aren't true. He tries to remind you of maybe past failures in your life, and it's like, it's just going to fail again. I'm just telling you right now, it's not true. Is that the wall you're facing? Maybe it's traditions. And traditions are thinking like, I just want how things were. Or just how things were is how things should be now. As like I tell you, a lot of times I like to go, I don't like to go first, I just go first. My daughter's getting married in 10 days. There's moments where I'm like, I just wish they were like they were before. When I would come home and she'd come running down the stairs and she's like, Daddy! And I'm like, it was weird because she was like 21. <laughs> she was like three. And no matter how my day went, she did that. Then she left. Then I'm like, at least the dog does that. And then the dog would even get up when I got home. There's times as I get closer to, this is weird, giving my daughter away. And I'm doing this service, so I'm look, believe me, I'm looking eye to eye at that guy. I love him. His name's Jacob. Sometimes I just wish things were the way they were. But you know what happens when we hang on to that? We never receive the new spirit of what is now. Like, what does God have for you now? Because the old is done. The new has come. And maybe it's a fear of reconciliation with others. We think of them as those people. For the Jews and the Gentiles, that was a real deal, right? That's why Paul kept saying, there's no separation between Jew, Gentile, man, woman. It's all are one and all are in Christ. But maybe there's those people in your mind. That could be an ethnic thing that has to go away. It could be a thing of relationships. Those have to go away. Because in order for us to fully accept what God has for us now, we have to let go. So what is it? I shared with you mine. God wants to hear what yours is. I think we just need to stare it down to expose it. And when we do that, it drains it of its power. I find that when I hold it in, it's harder. Let's find some release today in that. What if we let it go? What if I let go of the fact that my daughter is no longer three or 10 or 15 or 17 or single? And now it's a good thing. 
We had a moment as a family, which was really awkward because all four of us were there, including her fiance, where we cried. And my daughter's like, I'm just crying because it's no longer just us three. And I'm like, this is awkward. <laughs> Jacob's right there. And she's crying and I'm crying. And I'm like, man, how does this boy feel? But then I told Jacob, I said, this is just a phrase that we had. We, God gave us one child and we were very thankful for that because we didn't always know if that was even gonna be a possibility. And no matter how bad Anna's day was or how bad my day was or how bad Lisa's day was, we, when we got home together, we would say at the end of the day, at least it's us three, that we have to do this together. And so I explained that to Jacob. It's a phrase that we use and, and that it's just like, now it's four. So don't screw this up, Jacob. But what I saw as awkward in the moment, I thought that was the most powerful, amazing morning time of something that we just needed to let go in order to allow the new to come, which is a bigger family. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And that's what I wanna say to you today is which one of these walls have you been staring at? And you're like, I, I just can't, I won't. But Jesus is like, let's go. There's something better and more amazing on the other side. You see, Jesus had a plan to get his disciples to the other side of the sea, then past the barriers and into this vision for the new world, which means he knows how, and he wants to get you through whatever may come your way. That's what I want you to hear. At this time in the service, we stop and pause and listen to God. And then we we're gonna respond through communion and prayer and worship. But I wanted to do something, we're still gonna do that. But I wanna do something that may feel like a long time. I just want us to be quiet. I want you to sit before God. For some people it helps to have their hands open. And just for a minute, maybe we're doing that thing where Jesus looked eye to eye with the man and it was quiet. And it was just them talking. one minute let's just listen to what God has for us I invite you to read this with me if it shows up on the screen. Here we go. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges with peoples with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. 
Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. God bless you. May you go well into this week. It's been great to be with you this morning. And I never know how to end, so goodbye. Jesus, my Savior, rescue me. Hallelujah.